I did have a Super Nintendo growing up, but I was dumb. I didn't really buy good video games. I mostly bought Looney Tunes games, but I actually didn't really get into Chrono Trigger until the DS version came out. I decided to get Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy IV. Figured I would play Final Fantasy IV first because I had known how popular Chrono Trigger was, and I'm like, I know I'll like Chrono Trigger the most. And I was correct. It is one of my favorite games of all time for sure. So I also didn't get to Chrono Trigger until later. And by then, I had heard about its reputation on a lot of gaming sites. I was kind of more of the mindset of, uh, it doesn't quite look like my thing. Looks a lot like Dragon Ball. And then I got a PSP Go. And I was like, I need some stuff to play on this. Oh, I can finally get Final Fantasy VI. And oh, I have a little extra money. Might as well get Chrono Trigger. I thought I was going to like Final Fantasy VI more. So I decided to start with Chrono Trigger and then go to Final Fantasy VI. And that was a mistake. Chrono Trigger blew me away. This is why you should play Chrono Trigger. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Why You Should Play. I'm sure the first question, or maybe even objection that you have is, why are you doing an episode on what many people consider one of the best Japanese role-playing games of all time? And I anticipated that. Trust me, I know my audience very well after just a few episodes, so I will address that, but not at this immediate moment. I want to get to my two esteemed guests. When I thought about doing this game, I thought, you know what? The reason I wanted to do it is there's a game called Sea of Stars coming soon, and one of the guest composers of that game who provided some of the music is a man by the name of Yasunori Mitsuda. And so I thought, you know, there is a connection there. It's obviously inspired by Chrono Trigger from the little I've played of the demo that was available. And so I thought, you know what? Let's go back. Let's see, does this game really hold up and why? That single one-worded question stuck in my crawl. Why is it so beloved and why do so many games imitate it, draw from it? And why was it such an inspiration? And so that is primarily what this episode is going to be focused on today. And then I thought, who are my guests going to be? And then I didn't overthink it. I thought there are these two fine gentlemen here who are the hosts of a companion podcast. We're all kind of part of a little community here of sorts. And I thought, let me bring on these two fine gentlemen for a collaboration episode. They obviously have good cadence and a podcasting relationship built in already. So if I'm going to do a, my first three-man podcast, why not have it with two people who are already familiar with each other? And then I can act as host who is a little bit of the odd man out but we're going to have a great time gushing about this game my first guest today is one of the hosts of the aforementioned backlog brain rot podcast he is a published author he is a soon-to-be published game developer he is i like to think he is a he would describe himself as a mega nerd given that he wrote a book and designed a game which i say that affectionately and last but not least he is a fellow lover of trebuchets Connor, how are you doing today? Doing all right. I'll put a uh, asterisk on that published author part of self-published. It's even more admirable. Me and thousands of other hopeful writers on Amazon. There you go. Oh, and the, the name of his book, by the way, is, is it pronounced Metanoia? It's one of those things I've yes. never pronounced. Correct. Yes, it's M, M is in Mary, E-T-A-N-O-I-A. Go buy. Go buy book, as he says. cdmcguire.com slash novels. There we go. My other... Um, my other esteemed co-host is, I consider him one of the OG weeps. He is a man who is maybe the biggest lover of the Trail series, probably its number one advocate and promoter. He is a fellow sports fan, specifically of Pittsburgh sports, mm. and he is recently married, so he has experienced the true joys, which very, very few gamers get to experience in the devotion of a woman's love, which is always very special, again, for us gamers. And I would like to introduce Straw Hat. How are you doing today? Konnichiwa. 
I'm doing very well. Actually, I was telling Connor, I think this was before we started, but uh, my wife actually just painted my office uh, yesterday. Mm. So it's uh, it was a, a nice little pink before I moved in here, but now it is currently blue. And I'm in the process of, I had like all my games and stuff set up and I have like a little Steeler corner coming in. So yeah, it's been a busy weekend, but the biggest thing was I was really missing my computer being plugged in because I couldn't play Baldur's Gate 3. But I can soon again now, so. Good. I'm glad I have you both on for a collab episode and to discuss this game, which you are both obviously um, super fans of, think very highly of. I think it's Mm -hmm. among both of your gentlemen's top games of all time. And... I think this episode will be a little bit of a history lesson, dare I say, maybe even some uh, a bit of an academic episode, but that's okay. Again, I think it's it's important to, when we go back and experience games like Corner Trigger, it'll help us to appreciate even more where we came from, to get even more enjoyment out of the games that are inspired by it. But at any rate, how did you discover Chrono Trigger and your history with it? Let's go with Straw Hat first. I did have a Super Nintendo growing up, but I was dumb, as most kids were at buying video games. Correct. Like I, I didn't really buy good video games. I mostly bought Looney Tunes games, which I guess I've been talking a lot about on Backlog Brain Rot now because I've been going back and replaying some of them. But maybe you're just true to your heart. That's true. Super Mario RPG I did buy on Super Nintendo, but that's just because of Mario, not because of the RPG. But I actually didn't really get into Chrono Trigger until the DS version came out. So I had a Nintendo DS, and for some reason, I think GameStop was doing like a buy two, get like you get them for 30 or something. They were new releases, so it it might have been more expensive. I don't remember the exact details, but... I decided to get Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy 4. And I figured I would play Final Fantasy 4 first because I had known how popular Chrono Trigger was. And I'm like, I know I'll like Chrono Trigger the most. And I was correct. It is, like you said, one of my favorite games of all time for sure. I just played it again recently last year. But the good thing about the DS version was it kind of combined the Super Nintendo and PS1 release together because the Super Nintendo version didn't have any of the cool cutscenes where the PS1 version did, but I don't think people liked the PS1 version. I don't know if it just didn't run well or what was wrong with it, but I've heard that the DS version kind of was like the best of both worlds, so I was very happy to play that one as my first experience with it. Cool. You summed it up very, very well. I was, I'm going to go into that in a little bit. I recall the DS version is widely considered the definitive version of the game, even though I'm sure there are some purists out there, as there always are, with mm-hmm. a sort of game or properties fandom. Definitely get into that in a moment. But Connor, what was your what's your history with this magnificent game? It's hilariously kind of similar to Straw Hats, but in a complimentary way. Although... A lot of the reason why I couldn't get to a lot of those PS1 classics back when I had a PS1 is that our PlayStation 1 kind of, well, it got sold to get a PS2 and then the PS2's backwards compatibility was very, very spotty and it stopped working for us pretty quickly. So I also didn't get to Chrono Trigger until later and by then I had heard about its reputation on a lot of gaming sites and G4 TV and all that. So I was aware of it. But I was kind of more of the mindset of, ah, it doesn't quite look like my thing. Looks a lot like Dragon Ball. And as much as, you know, Dragon Ball is fun, I always kind of associate Dragon Ball with kind of a sillier experience. Then I got a PSP go around teen years. And I was like, I need some stuff to play on this. Oh, there's a bunch of PS1 classic RPGs on here. That sounds interesting. I can finally get Final Fantasy VI. And oh, I have a little extra money. Might as well get Chrono Trigger. I thought I was going to like Final Fantasy VI more, so I decided to start with Chrono Trigger and then go to Final Fantasy VI, and that was a mistake because mm. uh, Chrono Trigger blew me away, and then I tried to play Final Fantasy VI, and it felt so stiff and underdeveloped in comparison. That's so funny that you recall looking at the art and thinking Dragon Ball. That's hmm, that's a coincidence. wonder why that is. Uh, <laughs> but no, I appreciate you both. I think there is added charm in someone admitting like, hey, I was late to this and I felt kind of silly for doing so because I, I think in a way it amplifies that sort of eureka moment of, oh, like, oh you know, it's that fan- famous Danny DeVito gif of like, I get it now, you know, I get it yeah. now. So 
I think what makes great games truly great is that they hold up over time. And I think this one, I would say like 95% um, holds up, if not more, maybe like 99%. There's one or two caveats I have, but it didn't really damper the experience too significantly. So on Chrono Trigger, a little bit of background, uh, because I think it's important to kind of differentiate when games were released on different systems. So as Straw Hat mentioned, I think Connor mentioned as well, it was released actually almost 28 years ago to the day, August 11th, 1995. It was released on the Super Nintendo, one of my all-time favorite consoles, mm-hmm. uh, probably among people's very favorite for second and obvious first party releases. Uh, it was then ported to PlayStation in 1999, which Straw Hat mentioned it got the cutscenes added, which I would I have to say the cutscenes are surprisingly good. They go surprisingly hard. Oh, yeah. Um, and I didn't realize how old they were. For some reason, I thought they were part of maybe the DS or even the Steam release. But just four years later on the PlayStation version, they are really, really excellent. Uh, in 2008, it was ported to the Nintendo DS, which, I, again, I want to say is considered the definitive version of the game. It then got a mobile port on August 11th on uh, in Japan, and then uh, an iOS version on the, for the West was released in 2011, later that year in December. And then finally, we have the Windows uh, Steam version on PC was released on February 7th, 2018, and this was actually a shadow drop, which is wild just shadow dropping a port of one of the most beloved games of all time. And it was, I think it's basically a port of the DS version, maybe some minor tweaks here, uh, including, you know, support for mouse and keyboard. And I think it has an auto save as well. So uh, some slight touch-ups, but yeah, that's, that's the basic release history. So gentlemen, it is time for a pop quiz. And I hate to uh, drop this on you, but again, I said this was going to get a little bit academic. I am going to drop some names and either of you oh, feel boy. free to ch- chime in. The the winner who gets the most correct, the earliest, doesn't win anything except my even more of my respect, which you guys have <laughs> implemented already. So the first name I am going to drop is Hironobu Sakaguchi. Does that name ring a bell? Yes. Creator of Final Fantasy, right? Yes. He is the widely considered the creator of Final Fantasy. He is the chief designer of Chrono Trigger. The next name I'm going to mint drop is Akira Toriyama. Dragon Ball, of course. The, the creator author. of Dragon Ball. Yeah. Yes. The creator of Dragon Ball is one of the lead artists on Chrono Trigger. Yeah, the next name you. I'm going to drop. Go ahead, Connor. Go ahead. I was going to say, that name is so ubiquitous that even though I couldn't really remember what his name was, I just see the art style and go, oh, yeah, Toriyama <laughs> art. It's yeah. like a reflex. Yep. Yeah. It's, hey, that's, that's, how, that's how you gain notoriety. Uh, the next name I'm going to drop is Yuji Hori. Dragon Quest. There we go. I knew Stry. I was going to get that one. I know you're a massive <laughs> Dragon Quest fan. Yeah. He was. Uh, he was one of the writers of uh, Chrono Trigger. So yeah. The next name I'm going to drop, maybe not as acclaimed as them, but still widely respected, Yasunori Mitsuda, is the um, composer. But more importantly, I believe he got ill temporarily during um, yep. the production of the game. He handed um, he handed the composing duties off to a gentleman by the name of Nobuo Uematsu. Yep. Also yep. the art, the uh, music director of Final Fantasy. Yeah. Yes, the absolute legend. So we have what I kind of consider like a Mount Rushmore of, I guess you could call it maybe Square Enix, if not yep. um, Japanese role-playing games, who are all involved in this game. The lead designer, uh, Sakaguchi, creator of Final Fantasy, creator of Dragon Ball, Toriyama was the artist, Yuji Hori uh, was one of the writers and the composers, were Mitsuda and Nobuo Umatsu. So if you are a fan of all Japanese games and you haven't played Chrono Trigger, you can just pause the episode right now and just go play it. Like what, what, what more do you need? Like what more convincing do you need? I couldn't, I couldn't believe that when I, when I was looking at it, I'm like, Oh my God, it's just ridiculous. That's why it was such like a legendary game because it's like all the, like you said, all the superstars from square came together and I don't even know if that could even happen today is the thing. Like there's just too many different games going on and the media has expanded so much, but back then, like, yeah, they were it. I mean, there are other ones today that are getting famous too, but this was, these were the all-stars. Not to mention that Toriyama was the writer of Dragon Ball as well, right? So, mm-hmm. and that was, especially in the 90s, that was huge. So if you can imagine today, like Kojima and Miyazaki and I don't know, Miyamoto. Yeah, Miyamoto. I feel like, can you imagine, like, well, Straw Hat can tell you in sports, like an all-star team, when they try to assemble these all-star teams, yep. it, it doesn't work out in the long run. You know, it's it's become self-destructive, egos clash, and I think it is a testament to, I would say, I would even go so far as to say Japanese culture, because I think uh, if if you have 
true egos involved. You know, obviously you have immense talents for all these gentlemen who contributed to this game, but I think you have, if you have too many egos, it will collapse very quickly. And so, yeah, it, it really is a piece of history, the likes of which I don't think we'll ever see again in gaming like this. Who knows? Maybe there will be one game that is widely regarded as great, and decades later the individuals go on to be absolute legends, but I don't think that we have genre-defining individuals like these yeah. collab together ever again. In the end work, it feels a whole lot less like they went and tried to find all the best people and more like these people match naturally met up having all worked with Square Enix at some point or another. And they were just a bunch of big nerds and they all had a shared idea and like, let's do it. Yeah. And their talents, I think, fit together into like a perfect puzzle piece. And, you know, that that, that their company, Square Enix, they, uh, they do them some Japanese games mm-hmm. for sure. So the next the next section I wanted to get into is... Again, I really what I really wanted to emphasize is an appreciation of a truly groundbreaking game that holds up magnificently well and how how influential it is. And so, what I wanted to get into is how groundbreaking Chrono Trigger is and how well it holds up. Kind of interweave both aspects because I think I think it's a very it's very rare sometimes when you say like, oh, this game had this mechanic and it may not hold up as well over time, or it may have attempted this new system or tool and it was still being rough around the edges or fine tweaked, but I think Chrono Trigger has all of these aspects and they still hold up to this day. And that is what's most remarkable to me. And I think it is among, I I usually don't try to dip into hyperbole, but I think it is among the best games I've ever played, regardless of genre. And so the first thing that I want to highlight, I don't know how much either of you gentlemen can speak to this, is there are, I believe, 14 different endings to this game based upon when you choose to face the final boss. And so just right off the bat, you have multiple endings to this game, uh, and you can face the final boss whenever. I think a certain game called Breath of the Wild did that, and it was lauded mm-hmm. for that. It's like, well, Chrono Trigger did that, you know, twenty plus years ago. So uh, either of you want to chime in on specific endings without spoilers, obviously, but maybe you can talk about when when you uh, ended the game. Well, I definitely did a bunch of replays immediately after first finishing it when I found out. And the structure of it is in such a way that there's only like two or three main endings that you'll actually get on a first playthrough. Mm-hmm. But once you're doing the replay, there's a bunch of silly stuff you can do with just shortcutting to the boss early since it's new game plus. And I don't remember a lot of them at this point, but I do remember one involves frogs. And that one was a choice one. Yes, yes. Frog is a very good boy. Some people would say the best boy. Mm-hmm. Straw Hat, do you remember anything... Without, again, without spoilers about some endings. Yeah, I mostly, I know when I played it, I tried to get like, I pretty much did as much as I could in the game. Probably, I don't know if I got the true ending, but I got one of the, the better endings, I would say. But I know the other ending that stuck out to me, which I won't spoil it, but there's like a certain character you wouldn't even need like to finish the game who you, would kind of surprise you. So they really did a lot of groundbreaking things with that because especially back then, I don't, think any game would have done anything close to that at least on the jrpg space yeah there were a lot of adventure games or very complex computer rpgs that were doing similar stuff or like you know visual novels but that was a lot of effort to do in something that was had so much more going on like Mm -hmm. a jrpg yeah and it's connor it's funny that you that you dropped this term i think this is also one of the first games, if not the first game, to actually use the term New Game Plus or have a, a system in place like that as well. And Straw Hat, you mentioned the characters. There is, um, again, with the different endings and everything, there is genuine choice and consequence mm-hmm. in this game as well. Even in most seemingly simple or mundane decisions, like I'm going to go grab this item in my vicinity. Again, I won't spoil early on there's a decision like hey i'm going to go grab this item that's just laying there on the ground or um a character needs something and then later on do a task for them or you retrieve something for them and then you know you'll get a major um benefit in the long run um based upon the time and place that you are and so um yeah it's just it really really struck me how all these things were interwoven so amazingly well and I hinted at it just now, but there is time travel in the game. Again, it's, it says Chrono, kind of, uh, even though the logo of the game suggests time travel, 
And so, yeah, there is time travel back and forth. How would you, what other games would you guys compare the, the time travel aspect of this game? Because it's not simply back and forth between two realms. I mean, you're hopping around to, geez, I want to say, I want to say four different time periods, maybe five throughout this one land. Yeah, at least five. Right. You, uh, what was, this isn't really a spoiler. What were, do you guys remember what was your favorite time period? To, uh, oh, definitely them. definitely prehistoric for me i yeah. was like going back to those that era yeah the, the music in the prehistoric era was a was a bona fide bop which one connor oh for me i uh i was i'd say as far as like the environment goes i really like the twelve thousand bc mm-hmm. the even further back in history part but uh i had to say which was actually like the most thematically striking to me it's actually when you go forward to 2300 a.d or whatever the markers they use for it. That one was like the, oh, this is getting serious now. Yeah, is that the, I'm trying to remember, is 2300 the kind of wasteland looking one? Yep. Yeah, Robo. That one was cool. Uh, Again, just the art and the music, everything just just combines seamlessly and makes for something that's really, really immersive. Another aspect that I was really happy to see when I was replaying this, or, you know, playing it even more extensively is that, one aspect is that there really is no grinding in the game. I mean, the game is paced mm-hmm. so well um, and that you can avoid battles as well. There's no random encounters, like all the enemies that you're going to encounter, they're there on screen. Yep, love that part. Yeah, but they will be there on screen. You can avoid them pretty easily. Um, and another thing, when you do go into battle, the battle is right there on the screen. That just mm-hmm. blew me away because, you know, JRPGs, they yep. have some type of little phase shift. Yeah, yeah. So talk about some of the aspects that, really impressed you guys or you think would maybe lure people in who maybe aren't into Japanese role-playing games would consider this game. Yeah. So I came from a computer RPG background where my first ones were games like Neverwinter Nights and Baldur's Gate. So positioning was always something that was kind of funny for me to go to JRPGs and just not be there. I started them around the same time. So I was okay with that. But when Chrono Trigger was like, Hey, you can see the enemies on the field and their positions actually matter now because some of your spells have like area of effect and stuff like that. So once I started playing around with that, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been missing from these games for so long. Because I had only really played like Final Fantasy at that point, um, a few other like indie titles. And it was, yeah, that having that actual flow to the combat and things felt, it was funny because like you couldn't move anything. So mechanically it's not like it was all that different but it was just different enough that it felt better yeah and i know for me like not having random encounters especially now like back in the day i used to be a really big defender of random encounters i really liked them but as i've gotten older and i just have more games to play and I just, I really like, especially older games like this, and I talked about Earthbound before, and Super Mario RPG, they all had had the foresight to not have random encounters. Now, Chrono Trigger does have, like, spots where you go that, like, set encounters will happen, but I still think they're far less than most games do. And another thing that I think really makes this game hold up even today and might be good for JRPG newcomers is it's not actually that long. Like in a day and age where you have the personas that are a hundred hours plus, the Trails games are really long too, and Dragon Quest. But this game, I mean, you can get through it in thirty hours. I would say maybe even yeah. less, depending what all you do. But and it doesn't feel like you're you have a cheapened experience either. I mean, all the boss fights are good, the encounters are well paced. You don't really have to grind, so it, it's definitely not even one of the best RPGs. I think it's one of the most accessible as well yeah i would agree i think the average um the average completion time is around 25 ish hours 26 Mm -hmm. i mean it's even it's even less than that and certainly it's a fraction of what most people would caricaturize a a jrpg as having in terms of time demand so yeah i think the the next thing that i wanted to ask but wanted to highlight the next aspect is without going into spoilers is really how good the characters are and what's funny about the game is that you play as this this character Chrono, and the game really isn't about Chrono. He's kind of a he's kind of just a, a vehicle, I would say, to progress mm-hmm. through the plot, and he's kind of a point of view character. 
but it really is all about the different characters that you meet in each period. And the, the first one I would want to go to is, is frog. And uh, a slight note, you can change um, the names of the characters that you come across. I just went with the default names because I like them, yeah. you know, I'm going to call frog frog. Yeah. I like, uh, I like the name Ayla. Who's the, the one uh, sort of prehistoric yeah. um, character that you come across Marie, I think moral, right? Moral. Moral. Yeah. So, Talk about talk about some of the characters. I know Straw Hat, you're a big character guy, so go off. Yeah, I think pretty much the whole party is great. I mean, I like everybody. Frog is my personal fra- favorite. I just love yeah. his history, backstory, uh, even him in combat. Like, I love. He's kind of like a knight as well, so it's he's great a really good character. character. Yep. And but yeah, I mean, I pretty much like all of them. You kind of have like a little rival, romantic rivalry between Luca and was it marley is what was her name again? yeah moral marley yeah yeah but uh yeah those two because but yeah you go back with everybody and robo's great too i mean i don't really have any bad thing to say about them they all get their shining moments in each of their time period or each part of the story too which is another thing you kind of worry about if the game is too short but they they have a good pace at when they're introducing characters as well which is really important yeah and they these early JRPGs aren't super dialogue heavy, so they also have, you know, they have to be pretty efficient with how they present the characters and how much they're able to develop them in the dialogue. So it's really great how well they communicate the personalities of all these characters through the art and the animations. I was recently looking at some pictures that were comparing the, uh, like how the sprites are formed compared to like say the Final Fantasy series where Final Fantasy sprites have a lot of character to them, but they all kind of have a similar template. Whereas the ones in Chrono Trigger, the very shape and the, all of the animations are like unique by character. Like for instance, when frog is running, that's a very distinct animation. Yes. <laughs> Love watching that little cloak billow as he hops forward. Yeah. Not a single party member has duplicate animations between them. There's everything about them is unique. So even if you don't have a ton of dialogue to get them across, you have all these gameplay, have all these visual cues. And then the side quests near the end, which really yes. flesh out and are in a way, they're almost like a proto companion mission from like Mass Effect 2. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that, just maybe not as, you know, high budget as far as the execution. But that, I'd say they're just as touching in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it's funny having just played Final Fantasy 16 when this, again, Chrono Trigger's 28, uh, almost 30 years old, and it does that sort of side quest dump near sort of the point of no return where it's all dedicated to your to your companions. And it's saying like, hey, these are side quests for your companions. They don't, they're not like mandatory to finish the main story, but you probably should do them because, I mean, you get good items like armor or weapons or whatever, but you also get more sto- more backstory for the companions and what I appreciate as well is as you progress more in the game and each character, all the characters level up, I believe it's um, every character levels up equally. You know, there's no, it's not like a uh, strictly reserved for your party for leveling up. So another godsend. Yes. Another godsend. Another, again, quality of life holds up over time. What a concept. Yeah. You're not going to have to worry about having someone in your party for them to level up. And as your characters do level up, um, characters get combination abilities, combo attacks, two and up to three and so there are three members in your battle party. So you can get, there's two person attacks, there's three person attacks, which do like massive damage or massive healing. So again, it's more of that interweaving of story and gameplay combat that I just always relish in the game and to for them to put so much thought into it again, speaks to how well designed the game was. Before we kind of move on, was there any kind of anything about the sort of the combat or the characters that y'all wanted to highlight or maybe something of one of the time periods or anything i just really like talking about the combo attacks again just like how cool they looked really just especially for back then and then i really liked how they utilized the different elements too like you know just the simple one of like combining luca's fire gun with chrono's sword you do a fire attack or doing x slash with frog and chrono or which is even, the best one yeah it is the best or even <laughs> like i like the heal the animation for like healing with uh, where you do like the Chrono spins around with his sword, just healing everybody, like combining. Oh, yeah, with, Mara. It's, yeah, with yeah. it's just so good. Like they, 
everything's like connor said earlier the animation and this is just crazy especially for the time yeah it really feels like they were able to escape the rigors of a lot of their peers like when you play a final fantasy early final fantasy game you're like okay everything kind of feels like it's on an implicit grid at all times Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like up down left right movement and only occasional escapes from that whereas in chrono trigger everything feels like it's actually in uh like a free form plane and you know they like things can move around freely oh they feel like they can at least yeah the early final fantasy games like you're like you're all lined up in one row and your animations are pretty staticky so i mean you'll depending what you do you'll do a little different thing but chrono trigger everybody's jumping around and you're looking flashy and it just feels more action-based even though it is turn-based yeah and we've been using the term groundbreaking but really i think a more proper term would be like this is a pinnacle game of the era Mm -hmm. it was like final fantasy one and then maybe final fantasy four and those were the groundbreakers they're the ones who start oh and dragon quest obviously although i haven't played that series yet you can roast me later for that sorry graham (laughs) this is where they really took the accumulation of everything they had learned about the tech and the engine and the game design and did the best thing they could think of with it that's a good shout out i think this game came out did it come out around the same time as final fantasy 6 correct roughly yeah they it's, it's close it kind of would have had to those were both the end of the super nintendo era games for yeah and i think yeah i think final fantasy 4 is kind of i think it's widely considered where the series took a took a step up um but yeah i think one of to talk about the combo attacks again one of my favorites was uh, you have Marl, who's like one of the more uh, magic attuned characters, and she combines with Ayla, who is a uh, mm-hmm. cave cave woman. So like you have a, the cave woman has a giant boulder or a rock, and Marl can use it for like ice, and you can do like massive, massive damage. Oh, yeah. I just loved that contrast, the, the, the combining contrast of like magic and, and caveman. Uh, that was one of my <laughs> favorite attacks, too. It is fun. It's funny too now thinking about it because combo attacks in JRPG aren't an uncommon thing, but I feel like they're a lot more like uh, not as available or turned back. Like even if you think about in Persona or Dragon Quest Eleven, like some of the newer games, like they have combo attacks, but they're not as readily available as they were in Chrono Trigger, or and they didn't have near as many of them. Like they are still very special, but Chrono Trigger made them like common like you can you start doing them pretty much right away but they yeah. never feel less special each time They're you like do them tactical backbone elements instead mm. of these flourishes at the end yeah yeah they are very vital and it helps to really keep your party well constructed and in the menu it tells you it shows you like hey if you have this character this is who they mm-hmm. combine with this is what the abilities are so it's all really really transparent mm-hmm. so there you don't really need to do necessarily a lot of experimentation so you'll know kind of going in okay these are my character's abilities. And not only that, these are the combo abilities that I'll have available. And so I wanted to go a little bit more in depth on the combat. Cause I think it's, uh, it's again, it's super impressive for its time, but I wanted to try to set people's expectations. And this is by no means a negative. It's just delving deeper into what's all involved with the combat. So um, each character will have their own visible sort of, I guess you would call it like a cooldown bar, sort of like a, a turn cooldown bar. So you'll be able to see when they're going to go next. And you can manipulate it through um, some abilities. And I think there's some items that you can equip as well, some charms. That's what really stuck out to me with the game. It's not like you think turn-based, you're like, oh, this person goes, and then this person goes, and this person goes. But that's one thing you have to factor into with the combat is when, what is my character's cooldown to do an ability or to perform an attack move? So uh, either one of you want to, comment on kind of that aspects of the game yeah the uh atb based systems uh, were yes, very thank you i had a i had a mind mind blank thank you ATB. Yeah, active time battle yeah yeah that's uh a lot of role-playing games were experimenting with around that time even in the western sphere with like Baldur's gate essentially being an active time battle with a pause but uh yeah it was you know, I have a lot of thoughts on ATB in modern years now that I've played a bunch of RPGs. There is an element of like, there's like a tactical ceiling you can get when everything has to be in quasi real time. But for the, what they did, the 
fights were so flashy that they made it work. Like there's so much animations to watch. And so things being a little less hardcore tactical is kind of a good thing. And there's something that I remember just watching videos the uh, earlier today was how much more fun the little like action announcements were in Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. It will say thing. It won't just say like, oh yeah, Magist used his uh, dark matter spell. It just, it will say like, Magist used dark matter, his most powerful spell. And I was like, oh, that's so fun. I forgot about that. Yeah, it is funny, like, because uh, active t- turn base kind of went away a little bit, ATB. Like, it's not, I think people, and also I will add this, that if you don't like it, you can also set it to do regular turn-based as well. That is an option. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. You can, uh, very quickly, you can even manipulate it to where um, time will not pass when you're in, like, the item or, um, I think, abilities menu. But I, for the most part, did that full-on active turn base because I, I kind of, it was, dare I say, it was a little bit sweaty at times. Like, I'm fiddling oh, yeah. through the menus like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it almost had that actual real-time battle where it's like, hey, I got yeah. to make a move right now or I'm going to get wrecked. So, yeah, but go ahead. I digress. Yeah, I definitely, like, at a time, I really didn't like it as much as regular turn base, but I feel like over time I've come to appreciate it, especially in Chrono <laughs> Trigger. Like, I turned, I left it on, because really before that, I know Final Fantasy 4, 5, and 6 all had it, and it's, it's it can sometimes turn into the frantic, like you're just jamming the A button trying to attack as quick as possible, but yeah, Chrono Trigger, I never really felt, like, I did feel like I tried to get stuff out, but I never, I felt like the balance was really well done in it. Yeah, I would I would agree. And the more you play with the characters and the, your party, you kind of have a memory of where each ability is. So it's like, hey, I know mm-hmm. like where this ability is that I need just based off of memory recall and muscle memory. And yeah, it, it makes it even more rewarding because it's like you're getting more familiar with your characters in your party, kind of like how the characters themselves are. And one thing that I appreciated as well, and you guys can speak more to this, is that you can pick up hints about like upcoming boss battles from little really sort of inconsequential seemingly side characters when it's like oh hey i overheard this that the weak point in this boss is so and so and like oh it's weak to this or powerful to this so oh yeah i remember a little bit of that you know when you go into like a little tavern or a shop in town or maybe a little market square or a camp and you talk to everyone you will pick up something there's something very very valuable whether about the world or the overall story or the boss or uh, an enemy an upcoming mini boss enemy who knew they put thought into uh, the design and the writing of this game how it all just seamlessly weaves together so perfectly and were there any were there any sort of like little character interactions that you guys remembered from the game or stood out to you again without like major spoilers i know for me one of the early parts in the game like back when you're uh when you go back in time for the first time you have to go to the church and like you pretty much like the boss kind of disguises himself as one of the like church officials i think and you kind of have to like deal talking with the nuns and stuff around and some of them are disguised so i think that leaves a really early impression like the characters like the bosses have character like they're not usually just this random monster that just i'm gonna attack you like he had a purpose he had a plan for what he was doing and they really flesh that out which i love yeah uh, it's been so long for me, and that was back when I was still under the impression that every NPC had like cardboard cutout dialogue. But I <laughs> do remember a lot of the like little moments, like when you get to twenty three hundred BC and talking to people there, and it's just that sudden gut punch of the melancholy element of the mm-hmm. story. And then you know what? There was this guy in twelve hundred BC that had that like th- those round blue guys you guys remember them i just mm. i i think of the face of that weird creature and that's one of the things i remember but that's lower like oh yeah 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 i know what you're really out about. there thought i think so it's just like but yeah uh, a lot of what i remember has more of like the trial for chrono and things like that oh yeah that's a really good one yeah that's really early on in the game like man this is getting really really serious and early on in the game when he's captured and you have to maneuver out of there it's just they're just flexing for the time. I mean, some of the visuals, again, are just really, really super impressive for how old of a game it was. The variety of, again, you're, you're, you're obviously you're changing time periods, but still it's just, they went, you know, all of these massively talented uh, individuals, they, you know, they leverage their full talents and it's on display here with the music and the artwork and the characters and the writing. It's just 
consistently super impressive with how everything seamlessly weaves together and the story does take some chances there were a lot of times where i was like genuinely shocked and not only what happens in the story but again how touching it is you know frog um straw hat and myself we cited frog as one of the really truly great sort of redemption story and you you get an idea like he's kind of like disgraced and ashamed but then you kind of learn more about why later on you're like oh man and Every time period that you go to kind of acts as a vehicle for every one of your side companions' little story. So you're invested not only in the main story as well, which is obviously sweeping and grand and epic, but you're invested in wanting to pursue pursue these side characters' stories even more. And um, I'm trying to think of... Go ahead. Is there anything else? Anything else? It's open now. Whatever you guys want to talk about with the game. And if you miss Robo's last quest, you didn't play the game and mm. you should make sure you do that because otherwise you're a monster. That quest is just like, that was like a, a key point. Just mm. if For those of you who have played Final Fantasy 16 and you got that reward from all of those sort of 11th hour side quest dump near the end, the point of no return, just you'll get the same satisfaction in Chrono Trigger, I promise you. Not only, again, in actual tangible items, but in story and character. You're going to, you're going to, the payoff is just uh, exquisite. I also want to point out at the beginning of the game, you pretty much, you go to this fair and there's a lot of different like crazy events you can do, which was like mind blowing. Even now, like you really can't do that much stuff in a JRPG, but you don't need to steal that guy's lunch. Come on. Why are you taking this guy's lunch? (laughs) Yeah, go, yeah, go, yeah, go return the cat. Yep. And even even that kind of like si- seemingly silly little fair, there is a massive payoff yep. near the end of the game. Like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my goodness, are you serious? It was so, 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 so good. And one thing that stuck out to me is, or I think, I think it, one of the very first frames of the game, one of the, I think one of the very first cutscenes, if you will, is a framed picture of your entire party. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that kind of pays off too. You kind of understand why, again, it's a framed picture. It's like one of the, primary signifiers of some sort of significant moment in your life right so um there's a payoff to that as well and this game has one of the most iconic shots in a jrpg in terms of all the group together that i won't spoil maybe many of you have probably seen the gif posted again it's not only striking character and story but the artwork itself is is very very striking and i'm trying to think of anything else that i kind of wanted to go into um about the game itself that's not really a caveat or not a spoiler. Anything else that you guys can recall or wanted to shout out about the game? Well, that opening cutscene was very choice for me with getting me into the mood of the game. It's just like I don't know what it exactly was about it, but just the well, the music there is fantastic. But that was like stuck in my head rent free for like a year after I played it. And I kept watching like, you know, that's what really motivated me to get in. And then the other, I say, is like the last little bit that I always remember about the game is the space between time and that little clock chime that's yeah. going on in there. That was another thing that just gets to a little reptile circuit in my brain and just puts me into a very melancholy mood. I just think, too, even playing the game, like no matter what your party is, like you have a party of three people that you can pretty much freely switch throughout the whole game. But you're going to get different experiences and different dialogue options depending who you take. So it's definitely worth swapping around just to kind of see even if you like one character's abilities, you might like their like comments in the story a little more but it's because de- i know when i've replayed it i've tried taking different characters and it's like oh that does change a little bit how i see this now it definitely put a lot of effort into that yeah i uh there were times when i genuinely felt bad about leaving someone behind when mm-hmm. yeah. there's there's some points in the story when you can only take like one other person just kind of like it's a little like the story dictates it's like hey you have to leave someone here behind and you have to take circumstances yeah, sir. And even though I was leaving them behind temporarily, like I, I knew that they would rejoin like my main three-person party. I genuinely felt bad. I'm like, oh, I'm leaving you behind. It's like leaving a a, a favorite pet or dog behind or something. But mm-hmm. no, I think we I think we ran through the main points of the game pretty well. And so what I wanted to get into is a section that I have for every episode is like caveats. And I want to say it's kind of things that maybe temper people's expectations or maybe just qualifiers before. Um, going in before people um, dive into the game. And one of the first ones is that there really is no true handholding in this game on what to do next. You'll have to pick up on like mm-hmm. single few pieces yes. of dialogue. This is accurate. 
I would have liked kind of like not even a not even quest markers or not even telling you explicitly where to go, but I would have liked sort of like a journal uh, yeah. entry where it's like you have a record of every single person's sort of dialogue that way you can have it there kind of easily to recall. You don't have to go back to the character and try it. Would you would you agree with that? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially the older games like this, it can be difficult if because they just kind of expect you to try to figure out by talking to npcs and just try to re- remember exactly what to do and i know another thing people you'll definitely want to do which this is kind of a jrpg thing in general but whenever you see a house raid it and look for goods because that is a <laughs> um, just just beat those drawers down break anything in sight because sometimes you'll find some good equipment or some money in there so yeah and there are um it's a i guess maybe it's a little bit of a metroidvania element but there are some uh there are some special chests or um oh yeah i guess you call them chests that you you need a certain ability later on you can't you'll see them and you'll try to activate them but it's like oh i guess you need a different ability and there's yeah there's some chests and some doors that you'll want to remember for later on in the game when you get a special ability to open them so connor you you kind of agree with the sort of little quest log or what to do next yeah it's it's while it is the pinnacle of JRPGs of the time, it is still a JRPG of the time. Mm-hmm. So modern audiences who didn't grow up with that are certainly going to still have a little bit of a bump getting into it unless they've, you know, they're already very tolerant to retro gaming. It is some of the best writing and presentation, if not the best presentation of the era, but there are still limits to like how much dialogue there can be and how much camera movement and things like that. So it will still feel maybe a little uh, underdone to someone who's like only experienced stuff from years beyond. But especially I would say like play Final Fantasy one, then play Final Fantasy four or mm-hmm. early dragon quest then get to this one don't go straight into it as your first jrpg because then you need that frame and that perspective i think to fully appreciate it i'll say this too i feel like uh combat wise like why you don't need to grind and uh it's i mean it, it is a little i think it is a little difficult actually like some of the boss battles if you don't really know what to do like they're not gonna really tell you either you're just gonna have to go through trial and error or just kind of bring different characters to try to find their weakness. But some of the battles can be tough. So you'll definitely want to be prepared for that. Which is a fun part. <laughs> yeah, they're very tough. And oftentimes a boss has, I don't want to say a gimmick, but they have a, a single yep. sort of a strategy or approach to crack that egg, if you will. And it really is the only way. And that's why you really have to be pretty intimately familiar with the makeup of your party, what they can and can't do and what their abilities are. And then the last thing is that I will say the main, what what's, regarded as the main ending of the game it is a pretty big gauntlet to get there there is a lot of waves of enemies that you have to go through and i'm like man this is the only time where i started to really kind of resent the combat it wasn't the combat itself it was just there was just so many waves um i think you you kind of have to ascend this tower i think is the sort of the the story point the story beat um and then the the final boss of like the main ending is just oh man yeah Yeah, you yeah, it's like to get the main ending in the game, you, you're you going to be tested for sure. And it is definitely gauntlet, but you will earn it. And it, that's why I say go go and do those side quests near the end of the game because you're going to get really good abilities and, and loot and weapons and armor and such. So what do you do you guys recall? Like kind of the, the, I assume you both got the main ending of the game? Yes. Um, you recall anything specific from it? I just remember that the final boss fight, like you said, such a gauntlet. Like it just takes so long and there's so many different elements to it so if you slip up for a bit it can be hard to recover from it so that is the one part even when i'm replaying and i'm like oh yeah this part's coming up i better be prepared so the end game can definitely even like some of the quests and especially if you want to fight some of the secret bosses and stuff like that they can be super super challenging yes but i they're I felt like that a lot of that stuff was so worth it though just oh yeah just the thematics of the it's like secret creatures are hiding around the world that you're gonna yeah and that's the thing too it's like people um obviously i think really good open world games by modern standards they have things that are unexpected in them that the game doesn't even hint at hint at you just kind of go and explore And this again this game 20 plus years ago there's just straight up side bosses that you can miss that are 
um, pretty sizable challenges uh, in combat, but they're entirely missable. And yeah. even when you do encounter them, if you're like, hey, this, I, I don't want to, I don't want to suffer through this. You'd be a missable party member. Yeah. Any other, any other thoughts lingering that you wanted to bring up? Anything controversial? Maybe the hot takes? Mm-hmm. Just that I, I could throw out one last one is that some people will probably be less interested in Chrono as a protagonist since he's a silent protag. But personally, I love that part because I think dude go quiet dude going on adventure helping people out is just that's just a timeless setup for me. For me, I, never I guess be mad at that protagonist. I don't really like Luca that much, honestly. That might be a controversial Shame. opinion. I don't know. I, I, but Luca is a sweetheart. I will say there is a story in Luca that is that is absolutely horrifying. I was like, oh my god! I didn't realize this game went even harder than I thought. Again, you're going to get payoff with these characters. It's it's um, it really is a a wonderful story. If we don't have anything else, I have kind of a final thoughts about this game because there is kind of an elephant in the room with this game, and that is that people are clamoring for a remake of it, specifically in this newfangled mm-hmm. HD 2D style. Mm-hmm. Um, what do both of you think about that? HD 2D remake could be pretty good. It could be. Like, there's a potential there. Like, I look at Sea of Stars and the preview images for that. I know that's not HD 2D, but, mm-hmm. like, just seeing that level of polish just just put on top with Chrono Trigger. Because, like, there's little things like no one has CRTs anymore. And if you've seen, like, the Twitter feed for stuff like this, if you compare Chrono Trigger on a CRT, which the art designers were actually setting it up for versus playing it on some LCD, the visual difference is just night and day. It's like everything is so much smoother and full of warmth and life on a CRT because they were taking advantage of that fuzziness of it uh, intentionally whereas i see look at a lot of ports and playing on the psp was fine since the pixel density was so small but yeah it's uh i think there is a potential for like a remaster remake kind of thing just don't touch too much yeah that's the big thing because if you remember right when the ios version came out people balked at which it happened in the Final Fantasy games too. And I think even the yes. Steam version had that art for a little bit, but it was like the iOS Pixel remake and it was ugly and people hated uh, it and they yeah, did not. Those were so bad. Yeah, they they definitely let Square Enix hear about it. So if they would do a remake, which yeah, it would be great, especially they just got to be careful what they tamper with. Like I'm just afraid if they'd want to tamper with the battle system a little too much, it might upset some people i know i think it's pretty perfect already but i mean final fantasy 7 remake showed me that they can change things and add things and make it even better but yeah i think ideally a 2d hd as in octopath style or even like one looks or like uh, that new star ocean game like those all look really good so yeah. as long as they don't cheap out on it, like they, they got to put a hundred percent effort into it if they're going to do it, especially for an important game that people really care about and will definitely complain if it's not to their liking. The game is just so embedded with the 16 bit era for me. That's hard for me to imagine like a, like a full 3d remake or anything. Yeah, like that would that. be tough. Because like Final Fantasy VII lent itself to a full 3D since it was a very primitive 3D to start with, but Chrono Trigger not the same. Yeah, Straw Hat brought up the Final Fantasy VII remake, and I'm just imagining the absolute creative tightrope walk it would take to mm-hmm. to give Chrono Trigger the the seven remake treatment. Like I couldn't, I would be terrified to take on that project personally. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm relieved to hear that you guys are kind of in line with me, where I'm like I don't maybe this is a nuclear hot take and maybe it's just, maybe I'm a boomer or something, but I don't think this game really needs a HD 2D remake. I think if anything, it just Nintendo. I know you guys listen to this podcast, just <laughs> port the game forward to modern consoles, please just, you know, give the trophies to the PlayStation freaks, you know, let them, let them get their platinum and corner trigger. I can't imagine what a, the insanity of a platinum in this game, by the way, it must be absolutely, it would be absolutely nuts be with like all the side quests hours. and bosses. Yeah, it would be insane. I mean, all there the would be people that would get it. Yeah. Just just port the game forward. Put it on modern consoles. Give some of those quality of life things, you know, like the quest quest log, you know, dialogue journal, whatever. 
the game holds up remarkably well. Just just don't don't overthink it. Again, like you guys said, don't don't try to tinker with it too much. Everything holds up so remarkably well. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Is there anything else that you find gentlemen wanted to highlight? Well, if you think if you think about it, Nintendo, I don't know if I'm guessing Square is working on it, but this November we're getting a Super Mario RPG like full on remake, but they are kind of keeping it more true to the game still so even if it'd be something like that the only thing is i don't even know if they could with mario characters i feel like the new art style changes really work because it really aligned with the game where i don't chrono trigger i'm not even sure what you do other than make the sprites pop more or something like if you change how their faces look a little too much or make them a little too chibi i feel like people aren't gonna like that yeah, you wouldn't want to change any of the visual identity with Chrono Trigger, or from my opinion. What you would want to do is just little things with like keep refining and polishing the visual effects flourishes and like the camera movement, make things just a little bit more dynamic because it already really wants to be and it already is compared to its peers. But now we have even more technology could have worked with to keep that same idea but just put that extra flourish on it the poor intern they have in a janitor closet somewhere who's tasked with trying to alter akira toriyama's art 20 (laughs) something years ago can you imagine terrified going to hiding afterwards at the the smallest mistake i was i was even thinking like uh like some of the older final fantasy games that they re-released they added turbo mode they add so you can just pretty much level up to 99 but i don't really like that particularly because well there's no random encounters in this game so i mean you could add some more accessibility features if you really wanted to but i feel like other than like what we talked about already where you can get lost or some of the bosses might be a little more difficult it's pretty accessible already yeah, it, it does have an auto mode, which I never used. I was terrified of that, and I don't... Oh, yeah. There is a there is a fast and slow mode in uh, Traversal throughout the world, I think. I think mm-hmm. on, I played with the controller on Steam, and I think it was B. Again, the DS is considered kind of a definitive version that's a, most appealing to everyone. Uh, the Super Nintendo copy goes for, like, I don't know, close oh, to $200. Yeah. I think that's at least 150 So that that is a prized treasure of, of many people. But, yeah, and Straw Hat, you said it... Uh, it plays perfectly well on deck i think it's steam deck verified yeah i mean i had i had no issues with that i didn't get any issues any errors any crashes whatsoever so it was perfectly fine runs great on psp yeah shout out to the psp yeah again i played it on steam perfectly fine on controller gentlemen thank you both very much i think i am let's we can play a little we can play a little teasing game i'm scheduled to to be on Backlog Brain Rot sometime in the future, Mm -hmm. which I am very, very excited about. Very unexpected. I was like, oh, okay, I'm down for that. Um, I'll need to play a little bit of a replay catch-up myself, but I am very excited. I'll definitely look to have you find gentlemen again on for um, some more um, Japanese role-playing game goodness. Um, If not, maybe some other uh, overlapping genre that you both are into. I am definitely looking to have your esteemed co-host, Mr. Parrot, on. We are discussing games, so I can reveal that, um, which is exciting. And now we're fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. He's a he's always a fun chat. He likes those very you know those those capital F fun games. Mm-hmm. I predict. I'm using my psychic powers to predict there will be jumping in the game. Yes. Uh, well, if there isn't, I don't, I don't think he would show up. You know, so <laughs> I don't think he would he would boycott. But no, uh, another thing that I will hint at is there will be Japanese games very soon. Some more Japanese games, but not maybe not ones you think of when you think of Japanese games. But Subarashi, as one might say. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Very excited. Thank you both very much. I am so glad that I returned to this game. Again, I, I think it's fair to say this is one of the best games of all time. Would you both agree? Oh, yeah. Regardless yep. of genre. And I think, again, from an academic perspective, when we talk about you know, movies that you should watch or music that you should listen to. This is one of the games. Like if I was to do like a video games 101, like a history sort of, I would probably include this game as kind of like a sort of a historically genre defining, if you will. I don't want to use groundbreaking because Connor uh, checked me on that. Pinnacle. Yes. Pinnacle. (laughs) Pinnacle, pinnacle video games 101 with professor Connor. So this would be one of the games on there. Video game criterion collection. Again, Nintendo, Square Enix. I forget the new Square Enix president's name, CEO. Just port it forward. 
little bit of quality of life. That's all you need to do. Just port it forward. Get it on PS5. Maybe even Xbox, you know, if you're feeling adventurous. Um, Nobody actually plays games on there, though. So. No, no. No. Maybe 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 include a Chrono Trigger app next to Netflix or Amazon <laughs> yeah. Prime Video or something. But YouTube. They can watch a full playthrough. Yeah, watch a easy playthrough. <laughs> yeah, thank you both again. And we will see you next time.